Welcome back to the Whole Person Podcast. I am your host, Evan Herman, and today I get to interview a mentor of mine by the name of Aaron Ashworth. Aaron not only has been in the military for, I believe, 23 years now, not only has he been a soldier, he's now a chaplain, he also runs a counseling practice called Patriot Counseling. He's many, many different things and has had many different jobs in his life, but one of my favorite things about him is the leader and teacher that he is to people that are around him. So today, I want to welcome to the show, Aaron. Aaron, how are you, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Evan. You bet. So I wanted to talk to you. We've had a lot of conversations, but specifically recently, we've been talking a lot about purpose and helping not just myself find purpose and then how to create a game plan around that. But I feel like a lot of other people might be in similar situations as I am where we have an idea of what we want to do, but we don't quite understand how to do that. But then also we have a lot of, dare I say, traumas or things from our past that are negative self-defeating lies and thoughts that play a big part in our ability to pursue what we want. And so off the bat, I guess my question to you is how do we help identify those gifts and skill sets towards a purpose, but then also overcome the negative self-limiting beliefs that are there to attack it? Yeah, I think it's important that it's about anybody that walks into my office, whether on the Army side or on the counseling side or just mentoring leadership, that it comes down to purpose, hope, and connection. And that's something that is adamant to all of us, that we are seeking purpose in life. We're seeking, we, we want to hope for something. We want to be able to look forward to the things that are coming in life. And we want to be feel connected to people and to resources. And when you don't have any of the one or one or none of those things, it, it makes it really difficult um, to start kind of navigating life without having mentors or other people surround you that can kind of point those things out. So I think when you are lacking purpose or feeling like you're lacking purpose, is getting back down to the root of what is the dream? Like what is it that you're wanting to accomplish? What is it? it a lot of times in counseling, we try to look backwards. I kind of always take the approach of, like, you have to live it forward. Like, what is the dream? What do you want to move towards? Because you're not going to be able to really hone in on that purpose until you kind of narrow down, this is what I want, and this is how I'm going to go get it, and then we can build a plan around that. So would you say that that is a strategy of cognitive behavioral therapy? Not at all. Uh, I think cognitive behavioral therapy tends to look at how your thought process affects your behavior. I mean, it's okay. of cognitive behavior. But a lot of times you're looking at activating events, moving towards beliefs, challenging those beliefs, and then kind of creating a new belief. So you're always looking in hindsight using a CBT model. It's where I tend to lean more towards like what we call ACT or uh, action and commitment therapy or solutions-focused brief therapy to where it's looking towards the future of like, all right, this is where I am right now. I have to accept I said action is acceptance and commitment therapy. Accept where I am, commit to doing something about it, and move forward. And if you know anything about military or the military decision-making process, that tends to be kind of how military looks at it as well. Like, let's look at the battlefield. 
Uh, let's get an idea of how we're going to, our different possibilities of how we can navigate the battlefield, and then let's structure a plan to make sure that we can execute that. So I tend to use more of an act therapy approach or solutions focused approach. Okay. So when someone's coming towards their purpose and in this discovery moment, I know with you and me, one of the things that we've often talked about is creating a, a game plan around the identity of what we're trying to do or I'm trying to accomplish. And so for me, with ministry and writing, it's creating a system, not just a product. And that, that was a big eye-opening conversation that you and I had. For other people, if they want to be a better father, a better husband, a better employee, when we look into not just purposes of tasks that I'm trying to accomplish, but when it breaks down to someone's identity, how do they elevate their standards of belief within themselves so that they can actually have, I guess, a minimum standard of excellence that arises in someone who may have been not as disciplined in the past. Yeah, I think that's it's going to look different for everybody. So somebody that's had a, a pretty challenging past or has a lot of crisis and trauma in the past is going to probably have to work through pieces of that crisis and trauma before they can move forward. For somebody that's just kind of not, they, they're living a normal life and, and wanting something, they have to find that motivation and drive deep within themselves to be able to say, you know what, I need to be able to move towards this. I, I want this goal. How am I going to go get it? And start surrounding themselves with the resources to be able to make it happen and then also surround themselves with strong men and women that can make it happen. I don't think you can really move towards that next level of where you want to be in life without surrounding yourself with the right resources and people. So I'm very, I'm a very big proponent of, um, the, as John Maxwell is attributed to saying it, but you're, you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. So if you want to be a good mom and dad, go find yourself some good parents to be around and start kind of emulating and asking questions and modeling after the things that you admire about the people that you think are good parents. Uh, or get into a good James Dobson book and start surrounding yourself with his messages and kind of like, all right, this is what it looks like to, to discipline and to parent and to do the things that good parents do. You have to be kind of find that motivation internally to say, you know what, yeah. this is what I want. I'm going to do everything I can to go get it. So in this process of identifying people or behaviors that you want to implement in surrounding yourself with them, I think for me, something that I've, I struggle with is I want instantaneous change in results, but it tends to, to be a long-term practice. In this process of developing change in yourself, by surrounding yourself with the knowledge and skills, how do you start, I guess what I'm trying to say is, in the moment, you tend to react one way, but how do you start changing that specific behavior to act another? You, you've read the books, you're surrounding yourself with the right people. Does it naturally osmosisly start happening because you're working on putting yourself in a better environment? Or are there extra steps that you have to take in order to make a conscience effort not to default back to your previous standards? Yeah, I think um, 
I think you've interviewed Michael Hyatt before, but in his book, Living Forward, I tend to take the approach that he kind of puts forward in developing like some, some plans around your different life accounts and saying, all right, what is, what is my future? Like, what do I want out of this particular area of my life? And then where am I really at right now? And then what are two steps or three steps that I can take today that are going to make my reality more like my future? And I think that's how you have to break those kind of things down is really looking at what is it that I'm doing? What is it that I want to do? And then what step, what's the one little step that I can take today? And I think that's hard for people because you're like, Mm -hmm. like all of us want that like instantaneous change. All of us want to be able to go after the things like right here, right now. But, you know, a million dollars isn't going to hit most of us in the lap today. So um, how do you get there? You make that one small adjustment to what you're doing today to make your reality more like what you want in the future. Interesting. Yeah, that, I, I like that. Um, I don't know who says this quote or who it's by, but Gary Vee has made it popular recently, is that you underestimate what you can do in a lifetime, but you overestimate what you can do in a year, or, or vice versa, I should say. And so what I'm understanding you say is that every single day, you're just working at moving the needle just a little forward. Not trying to make big, sweeping, instant changes, cold turkey changes, just small little steps that you can build on consistently. That's spot on, really. I think that those little needle changes, I mean, in the military we use this kind of analogy with um, when we do land navigation. And when you're reading a compass and you're looking at a map, if you're one degree off in 100 meters, you're way off. Yeah. In 1,000 meters, you're even more off. In 5,000, 10,000 meters, you're so far off that you're not even close. So those incremental adjustments, looking at like, all right, am I on, am I on track? Am I doing the things I need to do? Is my needle straight with what I want to go? Is what's going to keep you moving towards that path? I don't think personally that you can make a whole lot of changes in your life without looking at the whole person anyway. So this is the whole person podcast. So it's a great opportunity to kind of play on your own name here. But when something that I tend to look at is what we call whole person model or whole person of care when it comes to counseling, which is how are you doing psychologically or mentally? How are you doing physically? How are you doing socially? How are you doing in your relationships? Are you doing financially? Financially, what, What's going on in your occupation? Are you enjoying your job? Are you finding purpose in it? And then one that gets overlooked a lot is like, how are you doing spiritually? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can tap, you really can't find your purpose until you can identify what you're moving towards. And spirituality is a big piece of that. And your own faith is a big piece of that. And am I moving towards the thing that I feel that God is moving me towards? And I think that that's a piece that's left out of a lot of the conversations, especially in counseling, that you can't really find your purpose without identifying that whole person and being able to go after all of those areas and then knowing like what is it that I feel what, what is it that I'm feeling led to, to do because you and I are both Christians it's easier to put the faith stamp in that like I'm moving closer towards a relationship with God and I think you know I think anyone should have that aspect in their life but maybe for those that might not be believers or might not be as strong of a Christian, would you say that this faith element really needs to increase in order for them to have fulfillment? Or, you know, can they find other ways of fulfillment? I think in, for me, 
I don't want to ever encourage people to try to find fulfillment outside the Lord. And so what would be your take on that? Yeah, I, I would go back to the whole person model. Like you can't find what you want in life until you're taking care of all those areas. Um, being a Christian, I don't think you're ever going to be able to connect truly with your identity and who you were created to be outside of God. But I also would say that spirituality for all, all people is important. And I mean, my hope is that they would all come into understanding that God created them and that God's moving them to live a life closer and more like His uh, in the sense of moving us towards what we call sanctification in the Christian faith. But I also think that I mean, even if you're Norse pagan, without having some identity in your spiritual self, you're going to be extremely lost. You're never going to be able to really understand who you are or what you're meant to do without understanding your own spiritual faith. My hope is that at some point God captures your heart and he moves you towards understanding who he is and what he created you to be. But even outside of that, and I think that you're a long shot off from ever getting there without moving towards spirituality in general. So in this process of trying to identify how to come closer to God. We talk about constant creation. You, you mentioned it, and that's something that, at least in my life more recently, has been more awakened. Instead of just doing Christian duties, re- relying on just grace, but wanting to live in a more holy and consecrated manner, for someone who might not quite be there yet, what are some processes to help them move forward and like, hey, you know what, I'm gonna choose this as my goal or this as my standard? Because we can all choose different things, but how do we choose the right thing? Yeah, I think there's a, a process in that. Like, I mean, from a Christian standpoint, like you're either in a relationship with God or outside of a relationship with God. If you're outside the relationship with God, then we say that you're living a worldly life or a fleshly life, right? So in that context, like, I think all of us have an innate, something within us, internal to us, that says, you know what, I need to seek something, a higher power than myself or something bigger than myself. So you move from the world into religion. And you start trying to fill out, like, what what are my options for um fulfilling this this hole that I have in my life that I feel like I'm supposed to be moving towards a higher power and doing something bigger than myself. Um, once you get through that, that kind of concept of religion, I think you move into understanding knowledge. And if you have good people around you, or if you, you're, you're praying and asking God to intervene into your life, like you start to learn about who God is. You start to, you start to learn who Christ is. And you start to allow your heart to be open and, and those wounds to be healed. And then you start to come into knowledge, which moves into faith. And once you're in, in faith and you come into salvation, at that point, you know, a lot of times, I would say that even Christians in the church a lot of times have moved from knowledge to faith, but they haven't necessarily got the greatest relationship with God. I think it's yeah. going after like understanding who God is, giving and dedicating your life to following Him and becoming more like Him, but then seeking Him daily. And I think it's a process going from world to religion to knowledge to faith to relationship. And when you get into that relationship with God and you stay there and you, you're communing and you're talking and you're, you're praying and you're, you're reading the Bible and learning more about Him, then you start to see how He's molding your life and molding you into who you were created to be 
and you start to find more of a purpose in like, all right, this is who I was meant to be. Um, I was meant to, to serve in this way. I was meant to give this to the world. I was meant to sing this song or write this book. And I think you, without having that relationship with God, you're never going to be able to get to that point of having a full identity of who you are. Mm, that is so good. You know, in, uh, in some of our conversations in terms of communication, you've often taught me how to repeat back what I'm hearing. So I'm going to do that. So without identifying, I don't want to say identifying, but without choosing to walk forth in a relationship with God, it will be very hard to find true identity, wholeness, healing, and purpose. And as you move, I, I don't remember all the words that you said, but you went from worldly to religion to what? Knowledge to faith to relationship. Knowledge to faith to relationship. And so as you're climbing this ladder, how do you condition and position your heart to make those steps and not get stuck in one of those areas? Knowing if you want to take this journey. Yeah, I think a lot of times we have this conception that once we once we do find God and once we are seeking after Him wholeheartedly, that life gets easier. Um, yeah. And it it's not always the case. And it's not that life necessarily gets harder because you have a foundation to stand on and you have a, a, a God to lean on that will you can pray to that will help you out. But I think that if it's easy to get complacent, I mean, it's, it's easy for any of us to get complacent. Like if I go home and decide to kick off my shoes and sit on the couch and not ever go back to work, is that going to be the most, the best option for me? Probably not. Uh, you know, when you have a family to feed and things like that, that you can you just kind of become lazy and complacent. I think we get that way in our relationship with God a lot of times. We get used to going through kind of the daily motions of going to church on Wednesday and Sunday or being a part of a home group or teaching or whatever we're doing um, where that relationship has actually become less, more about performance and less about actually being in a relationship with God. And when you get to that point, you've become complacent. So I think to not get stuck in any of those reins, it's continuously seeking after Him, continuously seeking a deeper relationship with Him, and continually to move towards, like, all right, God, I want to be the best me, and what, what area of my life are you working on me right now that I can become more like you? So the scripture that comes to mind is one of my favorite scriptures, Matthew six thirty three. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. And it's, it's a twofer. You have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because if you do one without the other, then you're not, you're not taking the necessary steps or climbing the ladder forward. Because I think when you pursue the kingdom, you're pursuing a relationship with God. But also when you pursue righteousness, you're pursuing that transformation of that kingdom within. And so as we're walking out this process of transformation and sanctification, consecration, and all the other Asians that we have, what I find is that it is easy to become complacent. So how do we guard ourselves from being complacent? Oh, I love this question. So 
you know, Matthew, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us that Jesus is approached uh, and asked basically by a, a young ruler uh, is asking, like, you know, I follow all the commandments. What else can I do? Like, what are the most important mm-hmm. commandments? And Christ responds. He goes, you know, the, the two most important all things hinge on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and to love others as you love yourself. And if we're going to continue to grow in our relationship with God and not become complacent, it's about loving God fully and making Him a priority in our life and making sure that He's a scheduled priority in our life. But it's also about loving others as we love ourselves, which is a lot of times harder to do than uh, we put it. But if you don't love yourself, that's another kind of key to that. Love others as you love yourself. So if you don't even love yourself, like how are you going to exhibit that love to others? So there's some work that needs to be done there. And... I take the, I, I use kind of mission trips and campfires as a, a good example of this. Like, I've never heard anybody come back from a mission trip. They didn't come back, and one of the first things they say is, I went to serve, but I feel like I got more out of it than what I put into it. Well, that's curious, because if God tells us to go therefore into all the world and preach and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and He tells us to love others as we love ourselves then is it ironic that the one time in our life or the couple times in our life that we go on a missions trip and we selflessly put down our work and we put down our phones and we put down our laptops and we put down our social media and we are just wholeheartedly serving somebody else that we grow more than what we've ever grown before in our spiritual life. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, and I think the counter to that is the good campfire experience. So that campfire experience of you like, you know what, I went on this retreat, I was hanging out with all all these guys from church, we were singing Kumbaya around the campfire, and all of a sudden like you just feel like you like, man, I really needed this. Like this is awesome. Like that campfire experience. Mm-hmm. When you come back from those retreats and you're just fired up. And what's interesting with that, I was like, you know, what other time again that we put down our cell phones and our laptops and our work to be able to spend a couple of days just honoring God and loving Him and worshiping Him. So is it ironic that the two areas that we tend to spiritually grow the most, campfires and mission trips, um, we where we loved God and we loved others is where we tend to find the most blessing in our spiritual walk. So I want to relate this to another topic that we've talked about a lot. And as you know, I have struggled with anxiety for a long time and over the last few years even started having panic attacks. Everything that you just said is also a way to combat a panic attack because I know when I'm struggling with fear or anxiety or mid-panic attack, I'm focused on myself and how I feel. And when I'm focused on myself and how I feel and I'm inward focused, it is much harder to have that freedom because I am focused and worried about what's going on here, which is probably part narcissism as well. However, in the moment of anxiety or a panic attack, even if you, what's the word that I'm looking for, Aaron? Um, social, even social anxiety. You know, when you're focused on yourself and all that's happening, you can overcome those experiences by truly being focused on other people and helping meet not only the needs of other people, but helping other people feel good or comfortable or 
ministering or serving unto them. And then when you take the focus off yourself and put it on someone or something else, then that spirit of oppression lifts. So why is there such a spirit of oppression when we're inward focused, but when we're outward focused, there's a, a spirit of freedom? I, I think that anxiety comes in a lot of different forms for a lot of different people. I don't think that, that a lot of times we, ex we experience anxiety in the here now and in the present, but a lot of times our anxiety is really rooted in our past or in our future. So we get anxious about the things um, that we know have happened and we hope don't happen again, or we get anxious about the things of the unknown, of not, and which is a fear-based anxiety of like, I don't know what the future is going to hold. So if I go to this social event, are they going to like me? Is anyone going to talk to me? Do I have to talk about sports and weather and I'm not a sports and weather person for the next six hours? Like We get anxiety about all these different things, but anxiety is typically rooted in the past or in the present or in the future. I mean. Uh, but we experience it in the present. So what happens, I think, in our body in that sense is like your brain's getting clued in to the fact that, hey, like I'm going to start dumping a whole bunch of adrenaline into your body because you, you're a perceived threat, which is the anxiety that you experience. If you let that sit for a long time, it moves into cortisol. And then if that cortisol hits your bloodstream, then you're anxious for a long period of time, if not half a day or more. So when you talk about the feeling of oppression and, and why is it happen more when I'm center focused than it is when I'm externally focused on other people, I think a lot of times it's because when we're looking internally, we're having to internalize like, these are all the things that my past has taught me. Here's all the things that I'm scared of in the future and the, the unknown. And when I'm focused on me, like those are the things that come to mind and my mind sets to that if you haven't learned how to, how to process the anxiety correctly. Mm -hmm. or those that don't experience that kind of level of anxiety a lot of times or that external focus is like, you know what, I, I'm going to go and I'm going to meet five new people and I'm excited about that. Like they, they pump themselves up in a different way so they don't experience the same kind of anxiety. I think from a spiritual component, anxiety is interesting because I think a lot of times, you know, kind of you mentioned like somewhat being like a kind of a narcissism personality or those types of things that kind of lead us to being more self-focused or selfish than being externally driven. That I think about the armor of God when I think about anxiety and, and kind of when I think about how do we fight and how do we combat in a good way. Like the sh like I love this shield of faith concept. Like I don't know if you've ever seen the painting of, you see it at like Mardell's and Hobby Lobby a lot. Um, but the painting of basically like the dad that's like holding a shield over his son is like all the fiery darts are kind of coming at him and there's like God's beam that's like lighting him up on one side but then the fiery darts and the darkness is coming after him and his son and he's kind of protecting his son. Like our faith is supposed to be that shield at all times. So mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're experiencing anxiety in that kind of level, you have to stay, step into that faith and say, God, you know what, I know you're good. And I know you've got my best interests at heart. And I know that you need, like, I can't isolate. And the best thing for me is to be out and around people. I know that I need to go outside this door and do the things and live life. And I can't just stay here and hide. But you have to carry that faith with you everywhere you go. Like, you have to understand that God's got you. Like, there's nothing to be worried or anxious about. Like, you can let the hypervigilancy go. You can let the hypertension go. You can let the anxiety go. And you do that by learning some processes. Maybe you have to learn grounding techniques and things like that, but you're also standing in that faith with that shield. Saying, all right, man, like, God, I know you've got me. 
and I can do this because when I'm externally focused and I'm loving you and I'm loving others, I don't have to worry about the anxiety and about what the world's throwing at me because I know that you're in, if anything, you're in me loving you wholeheartedly and making you my priority. And you know that when I'm loving your people, you've got my back no matter what. That's awesome. Aaron, man, thanks for coming on to the podcast today. Before you go, I got a couple questions for you. What is your superpower? Oh, like what is like my actual superpower or what is it like I wish my superpower was? Like that's like, is this like the, if I had any superpower, your, your what would I Your actual superpower. What, oh, what, man. what gifting or, you know. I think blind faith a lot of times, honestly. Like if I've, if I've relied on anything in this world, like I've never questioned what God can do in my life. So mm-hmm. when I think about starting businesses or running things, state programs, or doing, going to the military or going on a military deployment, like I just lead in with, like, all right, God, this is going to work or it's not, but I know you're in it, so let's do this. And I think blind faith has been kind of my thing from day one. It, I don't know if I'm ever meant to walk on water, but I think if God ever purposed me to, guess what? I'll be walking on water. I don't know if I'll ever raise someone from the dead, but if God purposed me to, guess what? We're raising someone up. Like I don't, I don't question His power, His ability in my life. I just blindly trust that you know what you got this, mm. and we're just going to keep moving forward. Next question, and you can't say wife, you can't say your relationship with the Lord or having children. Okay. Okay. What's the best decision you've ever made? Um, becoming a Christian, getting married to my wife, and. <laughs> <laughs> having four boys outside of that i think honestly outside of that i think joining the military was probably the best choice i ever made in my life you made me cramp up when i laughed (laughs) (laughs) oh i gotta drink water i guess so joining the military yeah i think joining the military by far was probably um coming from a little scrappy kid that was not knowing where he was going to go in life and and had all these ideas and plans and thoughts and dreams um, joining the military early on and allowing it to kind of be a, a stable foundation for me throughout my life, even with the deployments and all the things that uh, we've gone through, my wife and I have gone through with the deployments and with military training and everything else. I think by far military was probably the number one decision I made outside of that. Okay. What negative self-talk do you currently struggle with? Negative self-talk, I think, for me is right now just asking myself, like, man, like I've I mean, just being honest and raw. Like here lately, I've just been kind of experiencing a lot more tension and anger uh, at nothing. So it's been kind of like, what am I, like, why am I so moody all the time right now? I just turned 40, and maybe I, like, hey, I'm just getting old. Uh, I was look. my wife calls me old all the time because I'm, like, looking up WebMD and, like, what's wrong with me? And, That's uh, funny. So you're making me cramp up laughing. <laughs> so, like, I honestly think, like, you know what? Like, I'm in a season right now that is just everything, like, a lot of things are happening. There's a lot of growth. There's a lot of cool opportunities that are happening. But I think a lot of that stress is starting to wear on me. So I'm having to choose and back off a lot of things where I, that I've done my entire life. Um, that at this point now I'm having to choose between good and great, um, which is a great place to be. But it's created a lot of stress, which has made me yeah. a little bit more moody. So I'm having to really kind of talk myself down when it comes to like hey you're being a little snappy maybe you need to be kinder right now 
All right, that's, last question. That's, yeah, legitimately where I'm at right now. What brings you peace? Oh, that's easy. Like, uh, I mean, my relationship with God, I think, in the sense of just having daily conversations with Him, and I think in the natural, just going home and being with my family, like those two mm. things by far. Um, when at the end of the day, especially after a stressful day at work, going home and knowing that I have uh, a wonderful and amazing wife and four boys that have more energy than I could ever possibly imagine having, that um, I think that brings me a lot of comfort. Oh, I have three, so adding one more, that would be hard. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today. Before we go... Would you like to pray us out? Yeah, sure thing. Father, we just praise you and thank you for the opportunity to be able to do these kind of things. Uh, and that li we live in a great country that allows us freedom of speech, that allows us to pray on things like podcasts. Lord, I just for anybody that's listening, for everybody that's listening, I just pray peace. I pray blessing, Lord. I pray that if they don't know you, that they come into a relationship to know you. Lord, and I just ask that you just continue to bless Evan and all that he's doing in his ministry his podcast and his family lord and we just ask lord that you just watch us watch over us all get uh, have our backs and let us know that you're there we praise you and we thank you in christ's name i pray amen amen man thank you so much for coming on to the show today and we'll talk to you soon all right man we'll talk to you later